But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. <laughs> you did, you did. A little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, Bert Walsh. And first and foremost, congratulations, Mr. Walsh, on taking home the Greek, Greek Cup this past weekend with Pauk beating uh, Panathinaikos 3-1. So congratulations. That's a that's a good precursor heading into the Canadian national team um, season. My name is Everett Lorm, joined as always by Mr. Rob St. Clair, from Chicago, and this is the last time you guys are going to see Rob St. Clair on this show as a single man. So if anyone, if there's any ladies out there who want to put their their bid in, do it right now. Do it in the chat because as of Friday, this man will be a married man. So before we get it started, no show next week because this man will be down in Curacao um, for his honeymoon. This is the 9 by 981 square meters of the best volleyball content on the internet and we're going to start it off with the vera volley malonza figuring out award awarded to the fivb for disbanding our instagram page that's right if you want to look for our instagram page on instagram it's nowhere to be found because it was taken down dmca'd by the wonderful fivb fivbs the three boomers in the trench coat for a vnl post from 2021 yeah i hate this so much so it, uh, it, I've, I've had issues with this before like i i, I was put po- i had posted some like screen grabbed some highlights from volleyball world tv of games that i had called and i had put them up on my instagram and those had gotten dmca'd so i was like one strike away from probably getting my instagram deactivated the worst thing about the volleyball source account getting taken down one is that the clip is from two years ago which is completely insane. But the other is that there are no warnings. None. Like all, all this, of a sudden it, it, you you just, just discovered that you didn't one. have you didn't have access to the account anymore. Yeah. And it was like first you don't have access until this date. And I was like, okay, sure. And then once that date came around, then it was just out. So thank you very much, FIVB. Love how you guys treat people who are trying to grow this sport, trying to get more people, people watching. Like it, it it's 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 unimaginably stupid of them to do stuff like this. First of all, if if we wouldn't have to do this, we wouldn't have to post all of their clips if they weren't so bad at social media. They're absolutely the worst. They have no yes. idea how they have no idea how to post clips that are actually good. When when significant things happen, they do not post them. They're they're terrible at promoting the actual good parts of volleyball. So people like ourselves people like our, our friend christian smith who runs electric volleyball that account's gotten dmca at least twice like so many people who have tried to make volleyball content have gotten shut down because all they're trying to do is help and step in for how bad the organizations are but instead of accepting the help the organization says no you trying to grow the game of volleyball certainly can't no. have that you can't go, have that out, out the door the worst is if that we we talked about soccer if we talked about hockey if we talked about the nfl the nba we any any sport you could do this. Hell, there's so many other accounts that like take screen grabs and want to promote it. Hell, I'm pretty sure at the time we were telling people like, hey, go watch it on volleyballworld.tv, right? Imagine if they engaged the creators in, in this space. Imagine if they actually worked with people. So yeah, um our our Instagram page is down. Don't know if we're gonna be able to get it back. 
Um, yeah. So if you guys want to maybe screen, you're more than welcome to screen grab this and maybe post a little clip about this and put it on Instagram and tell the FIVB. Um, yes, we can absolutely get three um, three broomers in a trench coat merch. Oh, don't worry, Ronnie. We know exactly who it is. We we know exactly who it is. Yeah, I think that person is. is still a little bit of sal- a little salty uh, because of a certain interaction I, I had with him back in the day uh, at the F- er, er, uh, World Series of Beach Volleyball when Asics wasn't too happy with his content and wanted ours. But hey, I digress. So yeah, if you've been looking for our Instagram page, where like. The anything that we've been posting as of recent has all just been original content. Absolutely, right? that, that's the thing. This clip is from two years ago, and our like you, Everett, and our friend Joel have been absolutely killing it with the Instagram account, and all the coverage has been great for the sport. We've had awesome engagement numbers, and because the FIVB three, is three million reach a month, that's God, that's it's... basically we're at. That's like individual counts. Three million people around the world were seeing our content. That was three more million view eyeballs on volleyball. And yeah, and, and like maybe you're mad they was of volleyball world events, so you don't want media going to your events. Like we can't film them and put them on YouTube. Okay, I sort of understand, but not really. So you, you, you like the worst is though, Rob, is that if we were a fan in the stands doing the exact same things, if it we would be paid fine. for a seat, yeah. it would be fine, right? So yeah, if you guys have been looking for our Instagram, um, that's why it hasn't been down. Uh, feel free to let the FIVB know how you feel about this um, because yeah, it's been, it's been rough, but yeah, Rob, join, join the discord. We might, uh, you know, it depends on if this, if this saga is still going on when I get back from my honeymoon, if we're still as angry as we are now, which I predict we will be, uh, I think we might try and organize a, a bit of a bit of something using the people in the discord to try and push back against this. So join the discord links in the description to, to, be a part of the community anyway, which is incredible, and where everybody recognizes how stupid of a decision this is, and we might uh, we might use your help later on down the line. It also just it just before one more thing, it just discourages anyone who wants to become a volleyball creator, who wants to help grow the sport, who who wants to do anything, you know, within it. It's just it just discourages them, you know. It, it, it's it's really too bad. Um, because just it's 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 frustrating. All right, let's let's move on because it has been an absolutely insane week in the world of volleyball. Let's just jump right into the Champions League because last week, oh man, were we ever in for a treat? Um, you've already see, if you're watching this right now, you've already seen the name of this episode. Perugia is crumbling, but before we, <laughs> we before we go into what is happening. On the team that was was chasing the Infinity Gauntlet, and now they're on the verge of potentially getting knocked out of the rest of the season in both their competitions. Let's first and foremost talk about Hulk Bank versus JW. Rob, you had a field day uh, posting those those clips of of your prediction, and you were absolutely right. JW went out and played super duper Mister Clean volleyball. You could eat off of the floor with how clean they were playing, and they other than other than that, um, that third set that was absolutely all Hulk Bank coming off the baseline, serving bombs. JW was amazing in match of the semifinal. So clean, they were so clean. I I, I loved their game plan. I I loved how 
how visibly different that matchup against Hawkbank was compared to Lube than in the previous series, which I kind of talked about on last week's show, how much, how, how many points Lube gives away for free by making all their stupid unforced errors and how JW is very good at not doing that. Only five unforced attack errors as a team, three of them from Stefan Boyer. Um, their serving ratio wasn't bad. It was at least comparable to Hawkbank's, and that should be a, a strength that Hawkbank has. Um, Tomas Fornal was terrific, 16 for 35. Stefan Boyer was good enough, and they did a really, really good job allocating resources on their block and defense, Yashimsky, to slow down Namir Abdelaziz. This is as, as bad of a game as Namir has had in a long time. 10 for 29 with six total errors. That's like barely 100%, like, like 0.1 efficiency. Uh, he had a block and no aces. So Yashimsky did a fantastic job of taking Namir to the degree that's possible out of the game. And while Thomas Jeschke was fantastic, he was 16 for 28, which is insane. They didn't care. They didn't care about stopping Thomas Jeschke. They, they decided that if they can slow down Namir Abdelaziz, they have enough, um, enough firepower on their team, Yashemsky, to match Jeschke single-handedly, and I think that they were right. I think that was exactly the right approach, and it worked out really well. Worst they can do now is Yashemsky is play a golden set at home. Not bad. One thing, though, Rob, when you look at the stats, technically Hulk was cleaner, right? They had better hit percentage, a better hitting efficiency. They only got blocked five times compared to to, to JW getting blocked 10 times. They had the same amount of unforced errors. They passed the ball way better That's than true. JW. 60% positive, 40% uh, perfect to 29% positive, 19% perfect. They had more blocks. Um, aces was, uh, was pretty much the same. Actually, they, they had more. So when I look at these stats, I, I, I it's hard to see how JW walked away with this game, but in watching it, it was the fact that Namir, when we're seeing in the, the chat here that he was maybe a little bit sick, Namir just wasn't terminating in situations that, that he was normally being. They weren't making a lot of errors, but he just wasn't putting the ball away at the normal clip that, that we expect him to. What did he swing? Yeah, he only sw- swung a, 30, a 34%, uh, and four of those blocks uh, were on him of the five. Right, yeah. So that's that's the thing that the, the stats don't tell the full story because if you take away that third set where Hawkbank dominated, they were up big at, like True. midway through, and then Yashemsky put in the bench. Like if you take that out and just think about the the three sets that JW won, which as you can see by the scores were really competitive, then I think that would tell a bit of a better of a story. But I think Namir by himself, what you just said, and I think that's exactly the point. Balls we usually see him kill, he did not kill. Whatever the excuses are for that, if he was under the weather, if he was less than 100%, um, I know that he doesn't care. He will not give you any excuses for for uh, not performing up to his own standard, and neither should anybody else. So it, it came down to that. In situations, long rallies, whatever it was, balls that Namir typically kills did not get killed, and I really think that was the difference. So yeah. um, he's going to have to be superhuman this next leg. To, to get this thing done in the golden set. It wouldn't be the first time we've seen him do it. So I'm never going to call count Hawk Bank out, but this is a tall mountain to climb in this match tomorrow. Especially because, well, there's two things. First and foremost, Hawk Bank doesn't have the supporting cast like everyone else to not be, to, to be able to pull themselves up when Namir isn't fantastic, or at least... Right. All right. He 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 wasn't. He was he was below average in this one. It's not like game one against Lube where Namir was pretty good. Jayski was out of his mind. No, Jayski was still fantastic in this one. He went 16 for 28, swung a, a 57%, but especially down the middle, that P2 position, they just don't have it. 
But also when you look back to that Lube series, they won the first game. So they, they lost game two before going into the golden set. They need to win four sets tomorrow. No, on tomorrow. It right? is tomorrow. Yeah. And yeah, they need to win is. four sets without losing two. And I yeah. don't know if I see that. That is a tough, tough ask. It is a tough, tough ask. However, right. We know that this, this Hulk bank team loves to run with the momentum. And they can run with the momentum. So if they have a healthy Namir and they have a, a healthy team, I think this is one team that can that can go for it. If they can start pinning balls from the baseline, Namir can rip some serves, Micah can rip some serves, Jishki uh, as well. They're going to need that, and they're going to need the, their block to be as good, if not better, as it was last week. They had t- ten blocks to JW's five. They need to be that their serve their serve block game has to be on point. And they need to be able to shut down uh, Boye and Co. Because otherwise, like, like all JW needs to do is go out there and, and win two sets at home. You're right. It is a tall, tall task. But if there's one team that wants to spool the par- or spoil the party right now, it's going to be Hawk Bank. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't put, put it past him. I mean, we've, we've learned the last couple of years what can happen if you bet against Amir Abdelaziz. I'll, I'll um, never count him out. But I do think that Yashemsky's got this in the bag. I expect him to get this done tomorrow. Uh, I know Hulkbeck won't go down without a fight, but just, just the math is so far against him. got to win four sets before JW wins two. I, I don't see it. Uh, but I think Yashemsky's got this. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna go with that. I'm still sticking with Hawkbank here. I gotta, I, I gotta <laughs> stick to my guns. I respect that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I still think that Hawkbank can can come back and win this. We've seen this win them win a golden set in the last round. I'll bet it was in a diff, different scenario, but still, I, I, I definitely think that that they can do it because this team loves to run with emotion, and they've got some some players who can. And yes, Rakai, you're right. The supporting cast like uh, Bruno and Yujit did have fantastic games, but they're just not good enough to get them over a team like JW, especially when JW is playing that good. They weren't, they weren't putting enough stress on JW. JW is much more of a complete team than Lube is. So, you know, right. you know, and unless Zaitsev is, is going to go off. Um, Lube and that, that, I think pull. that's what you were saying. Like the point that you made is good. It's not, it, you didn't, you didn't say that Hawkbank supporting cast didn't play well because no. they did. It's okay. that their, their supporting cast is incapable of picking up the team to carry them to a win in this situation when Namir is not Namir. That yeah. is that and, is a big difference. And against a team like JW, which I, I right. find is is much more complete uh, than than Lube this season. Anyways, yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, let's this this one is going to be good. This one's going down at two thirty Eastern time tomorrow afternoon. Uh, so make sure to check that out over on Eurovolley TV or on the Eurovolley. Uh, youtube page it'll start as public and then move to, to to members only but if you guys are looking for the link uh i'm pretty sure joe uh posted it in the discord so just another reason to go check out over the discord moving on to the preview for thursday's game match and of the, the year. title of this video what is happening at perugia oh my goodness they are crumbling are falling apart at the seams. Now, last week, I think we both of us or one of us said something like that this this series, this Perugia versus Oxus series, would be a franchise-defining series for Perugia. This yes. calendar week, actually, the, the this next like four-day period from this second leg on Thursday, Thursday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern uh, in Perugia, 
to the fifth game in the Scudetto quarterfinal against Milano, which I believe is on Sunday. Those two matches uh, in those four days is the biggest four-day span in the history of Perugia's franchise. And all the pressure in the entire sporting world is squarely on that arena. Now, Perugia is hosting those two games, but I'm not even sure at this point that's going to help that much with the amount of pressure that they might be feeling. No, and it's really interesting reading a uh, interview with Camille Semeniak before the last match. Um, and there's a few statements that I want to get to touch you first, but he also talks about how Cersei comes into the dressing room before big matches like this and, and gives speeches. He's giving off very much Jerry Jones vibes from the Dallas Cowboys, where he's just trying to control everything and 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 pick apart everything. It's funny because you and I were giving so much praise to Anastasi earlier in the season when this team for just, was for just not getting in the way. Yeah. And absolutely. And I think Anastasi, Hey, you know what, when the car is on the freeway, when you're Max Verstappen and no one is even near you and you're just going towards the end line, things are gold. It's easy to be good in those moments, but right now it's starting to show because Perugia is just crumbling underneath this pressure. This is their worst format stretch that we've seen in a long time. And, you know, they just talk about how things haven't been good since that loss in this in the semifinals. Before we before we talk about this game in particular, Semenyuk said uh, to a, a Polish reporter before this match, I think that we ourselves can be our biggest opponent. If someone starts to think that he is better team, better than his teammates, more important than others on the more important on the court than others it is most important part of the season we need to treat everyone the same as equals without looking at our cvs and achievements we weren't great in the last games but leading to one everything is still within our hands the most important thing is that we need to stay more unified as a team rob who do we think semeniak is talking about here oh man it's it's very very hard to say i i mean the the two he's right like his he go he went on to say like it's impossible to deny that this team is full of players who have individually accomplished a lot and i would say that the two players who have individually accomplished the most are simone gianelli and wilfredo leon Mm -hmm. and uh it's it would be hard to to think that he's not at least alluding to those two guys in some sort of way but he also went on to say that when there are so many high-profile individuals on a team, some of the responsibility comes down to the coach to make sure that everybody stays unified. And I don't think that's what's happening right now. Like like you said, while, while their season was going well and while Perugia was destroying people on pure talent alone, Anastasi had the easiest job in the world. But now they, have, they, they face a little bit of adversity. They lose in the Italian Cup semifinal. They have looked a little fragile ever since. Like the, the vibe around the team and the locker room just hasn't been there. Now is when he has to actually do his job, and it has not really gone that well. Like his, his lineup choices have been a total revolving door. The, the, just the nervous energy around the team, I think, ultimately it comes down to the coach. And if a guy like Gino Sirci, who owns the team, is having this overbearing presence in the locker room, that doesn't help either. So, sure, you can you can point to the players, like a, a couple of the players here and there, but I, I think it, I think this goes higher than that. I think this is this is in the realm of an organizational problem. Hundred percent. There's there's a few things that I that I want to look at here. First and f- foremost is like a certain players. You know, we've heard about Plotnitsky. You know, maybe being unhappy at times, playing playing a B role. You know. We know that Ronnie's talked a lot about Herrera and how Herrera might get uh, 
maybe a little overconfident at, at time. And, you know, the, you know, you have a guy like Rich Leakey who's won what two Scudettos with, uh, um, with Lube. At least as, one. As, yeah. Yeah. He was no, he was there for, for the past two years. Yeah. He just came, he just came this year because Anderson was, was there last year. No, that That's not true. This is Rikliski's second year in Perugia. But yeah, regardless. Okay, you're right. We're, we're that, gonna, that was, he won. He, 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 the, the, yeah. the first thing and, and when so, we were saying in the middle of the year, if Perugia has a weakness, the first thing that we said was the opposite position. You just brought up Rikliski and Herrera. Sure enough, like looking at the stats in this Champions League game, Rikliski was terrible, got subbed yeah. out. Herrera came in and wasn't quite good enough. So that that's yeah. one. He was he was fantastic in the one set that they won. He had eight points in set number two. And then finished. How many did he did he finish with here? Fourteen. Uh, finished total. with fourteen. So he had eight sets in in the in the second set, and then only had uh, six six sets between sets three and four. That's that's not good enough. So I think that there's some clashing of of people there. I think you have to start looking at Gianelli here because another thing that Semenyuk was talking about in that article is that he's still trying to find that rhythm between Semenyuk and and Gianelli. And to me, like, how can that be? Right? How yeah, many how? Se- how many months are we into the season? I know that it was a rush start with the World Champs, but we're talking about a guy who was the Champions League MVP, a starter on one of the best national teams in the world, and what before the season and at many points in the season, a guy who I thought was the best setter in the world. How are they not just going into the gym and just figuring out that chemistry? Why aren't they figuring out the same type of stats? And also, shout out to Christian Smith uh, of Electric Volleyball. He was messaging, being like. Why aren't they just running Leon on a high ball? Why are they like insisting on running this fast outside system? You know, why aren't they just catering to what the hitter needs? Leon's probably the best hitter in the world, right? How, how are they not able to just give him a ball that that he's able to hit? Like it just looks like it's too fast, it's too tight, and they're worried too much about making the fancy set and 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 staying in that system. To me, that also goes on to how is this team being game planned, right? Yeah. How are you, how are the scouts looking at Zax's decision making and, and Janusz? Because it seemed like they were having such a hard time shutting them down and, and, and slowing them down. And then finally, I also think you have to look at um, the support staff on this team. And, you know, we look, talked about this being organizational issues. Like Leon was injured last year and they didn't even know it, right? And now you have all these guys and you have the deepest roster in volleyball and you guys are laboring at this point in the season. Like how many, how many guys can you just, just roll through every position except for the setter. You can just roll through the guys. So there just seems to be so many issues going on with Perugia right now. And it's coming to head at the worst time of the season. It certainly is coming to a head at the worst time of the season. And uh, it's, I don't think Perugia right now is at the point where they're really probably able to game plan against a team like Zoxa because I think they're so concerned on what's going on on their side of the net. They they are having a big time identity crisis. Their their locker room seems kind of shattered, for fragmented. Their their on court rhythm is visibly just not good volleyball to watch, which is so confusing because like you said, this is these are like Semenyuk and Leon in particular. How is it possible for players of that caliber to not connect with the world championship MVP, et cetera, and Simone Ginelli? Like that, it doesn't make sense that it has taken that long for them to figure all that out. Especially Leon. It's his it's his second year now with Gianelli. There's 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 just no excuse for not not having like the the basic operations of your offense like clicking like a well oiled machine at, at this point in the season. So there's there's something else going on there. 
there, there, there's something more. There's, there's some, there's, there's this energy around Perugia that I think last year they didn't want to admit. Uh, I think they, they were looking for things to blame last year when they didn't get it done in the Champions League. They didn't get it done in the Scudetto final. They, they were able to point the finger at Leon's injury, fortunately for them, because if they had nothing to blame it on, I think that we would have blown up the franchise last year. But now this year, Again, this is a franchise-altering four days, starting on Thursday and ending on Sunday. If they lose in one or both of those matches and are and are knocked out of those competitions, I don't know Either where or. the I don't know where the franchise possibly goes from here. No, so and like I I think part of it though is that we have to give all the credit in the world to Zoxa, right? Yeah, absolutely, because the reality is that I think these issues have been present for Perugia, but they've been playing in a Superliga that has had more of an even playing field this year, right? There's been such a gap from first to every everyone else that they really truly haven't been pushed. Whereas Zaxa, Zaxa is, is clearly, you know, if they're not number one right now, then then they're number two closely behind Perugia. But right now, you have to put them at number one. If you look at a how good of a match this was for for Bed Norris, he was absolutely unreal. Twenty for thirty four, only one unforced error. Um, incredible. Yeah, he was incredible. Three blocks in this one. David Smith coming up huge. Five for six offensively with four aces. He was massive. But even if you look at a guy like Slivka, Slivka, who was terrible offensively four for 15 two errors got blocked for six times he was a minus efficiency but everywhere else he was great right he got two aces he got a block he was passing out of this world 45 percent positive 30 percent perfect like you can tell that just the zoxa is, is is such a good team as they know their roles they know how to be be make the team better when they're not at their best in a certain area, right? Eric Shoji was was unreal. There's so much credit that has to go to Zaxa and all this. Kashmarek, you you know, even though he wasn't um, great, he wasn't getting that much volume. He's still 13 for 24 and very efficient, right? No one unforced errors. So on the other side of the net from Perugia right now is a team that is just clipping at such a high clip and and working so well together and to me right now they look like look like the best team in the world i, I want to go back to something that we were talking about even before the nine by nine existed when we were covering the champion the first champions league that zaxa won when when zaxa won that champions league and when they went through lube and zeni kazan and trentino in the final we said you you and i and dan said something to the effect of this the way that this Zoxa team was built and the way that they played together two years ago with Tony Uti to, to win that Champions League might redefine how all club volleyball teams are built. And I'm going to stand by that take right now because that this Zoxa team, and similar to the Zoxa team from two years ago, is built so well in terms of how it was assessed with the pieces that they have put together, how they would fit together. Perugia clearly didn't think about that at all when they went and built their team. They just went out, and it's similar to Malonza on the women's side or Piacenza or several of the other teams that just went out because they had the resources. They got all the talent that they could get without really thinking about how that would fit together. And that hasn't bitten Perugia because that level of talent was so ridiculous until now. Now we're seeing them play against a team that is so smart, does their homework, prepares for the matchups, is phenomenally supportive top to bottom in the organization, and has two Champions League wins under their belt in the last two years. They are the model of what a club team should be built like. And Perugia was built in a, using a completely different approach, and now they're coming to a head. And I, I love to see that because I think this should, and I hope that it will, 
reinforce to all the general managers and club owners around the world of club volleyball, Zaxa is the model after which to build a team, not Perugia. You need to think about exactly what your starting lineup will be for the whole season and how it fits together. I know that Zaxa it took him half a year to get there because of the Bednor's pickup, but that there's a huge difference in how these teams were constructed. And I love that uh, the, the Zaxa way, and in my opinion, the way that is correct uh, so far is leading in this series. And again, they, their, their matchup preparedness, their, their team execution, their confidence in one another, their trust is, is, is visible when you watch them play. And honestly, this game should have been a 3-0. <laughs> that second, they, got a, they got a free ball to, at 25-24 in the second set to win the set, go up 2-0, to zero, that they inexplicably overpassed. So yeah. it should have been a 3-0. It shouldn't have even been that close. Yeah. My comparison right now for this Perugia team isn't even within volleyball. I'm going to soccer or football as are your European friends. This is PSG, right? You've got Neymar. You've got Messi. Um, you, you you have Mbappe, you have so many of the best players in the world and they're just not working together, right? Because this team clearly lacks that chemistry and they're lacking a good, strong, emotional, like an emotionally strong coach who can help bring them together. Hell, maybe they need to call the Dirk Knicks and see if Phil Jackson's available because that's what, that's what it feels like they they need right now. Um, Because we're getting, we're getting uh, updates in the chat to say that Anastasi will not be there next year, which is, not very worrisome. Not not it's very but it's very worrisome. Like who else do they go to? Right? How many how much like how much of a revolving door has it been for coaches at Perugia over the past few seasons? It's been you ridiculous. go in with, with such high expectations. And I mean, we haven't even talked about the Milano game yet, where they were up like what 10-7 in the fifth. They shouldn't even be going to five sets with Milano, and now they're tied two two in the series. Like uh, you, Rob, you're right. This is the biggest four days possible in Perugia's entire history. Man, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if, if they don't win the season. Perugia just shuts down, and there's no more <laughs> sur, sur safety Perugia after the season. The Block Devils are done because this this could be career ending. I said it last week, and I'll say it again: if Perugia does not win both these games. Because right, think about it, they could be out of the Scudetto playoffs. They could be out of Champions League if they do not win both these games. They might just tear down this entire team, right? They, they, uh, they, might, they might. I just don't. End it all. I don't know where they could go, especially, especially because of the implications. If they lose to Milano, they're not even in Champions League next year. Think about that. Think about how ridiculous that would be. So I mean, this man Thursday, Thursday two thirty Eastern, and then whatever time the Milano game is on Sunday. Let's let's look like that. Two biggest games of, of this club's existence. Yeah. Uh, that, no, it's, it's on the 10th. Is that is that like Monday or Tuesday, that Milano game? That's weird. Uh, yeah, I think that's next Monday. So they're, so they're playing. Oh, because on... it's, it's Easter. It's Easter Monday. Uh, that's why. Okay, so they're not playing on Easter Sunday. Fair enough. Uh, Fair so enough. Yeah. That, would, that would make sense. Yeah. Monday noon Eastern uh, is, is the Perugia-Milano game. And we'll, and we'll talk about the Scudetto in a minute. But uh, yeah, this is, this is going to be completely insane. And before we move on, because we've talked about this, we've talked about Perugia a lot already. How poetic was it that Camille Semenyuk didn't start the match? Like you and I were talking about it last week. Everett, like, what are they going to do with Semenyuk in his former home gym? He didn't start the match. He did start the fourth set, and he gets stuff blocked twice late in the fourth set by Martinianich, including the one to lose the match. Like that, can Semenyuk personally even recover from that? 
I mean, he was great up until that point. He was three for defensively. He was passing pretty good. You know, like he has 75% positive, 25% perfect. Like he did it get, get ace that one time. Um, but I, I think Semenya can definitely recover from it. It just seems like, like once again, in that article that I read, he's just, he's well aware that he's not playing up to his standards and it's been a harder year for him. And, and clearly like he, he was going prepared to, and to not play at all in that match going into it. Um, so yeah, I definitely think he can recover from it, but it, it, uh, it's, it's like this Perugia, I hope they had a closed door meeting, like just, just players only closed door meeting because the coaching staff isn't helping. Gino Cersei is definitely not helping a la Jerry Jones. Um, and they need to figure it out amongst the players because they're going to be the ones on the court doing it together. And if they can't get it done as, as the players, you know, that's that's not going to happen. It's almost, I think, almost that like playing at home can be an advantage, but it might always be a disadvantage in these next two games because the the pressure is just going to be so immense. I agree. It's going to be a really fascinating study of the effect of pressure on volleyball. Like it reminds me of the, of my beloved United States men in the Tokyo Olympics. Like when we played that last match against Argentina that we had to win to make it out of the pool, and the 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 absolute crushing weight of that pressure that was visible on every player on the court uh, was was so influential, and we lost the match because really because of it and we, we didn't deserve to win we played like trash the pressure the pressure was overwhelming and you could tell like even a non-volleyball viewer could probably could have figured that out by watching that game i am i'm fascinated to see if peru just suffers the same thing these next couple of games especially if they happen to to not get past zaxa on thursday how will they attack this milano game because it's the same situation with yashemsky and Hawkbank. perugia needs to win four sets before zaxa wins two even even as talented as Perugia is, Zaxa is so good. It's going to be really hard to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Like they are going to need, and we saw how like how resilient Zaxa is uh, against Trentino, especially. Like this is a resilient team that just won't go away. They have so many different ways to score. They play so steady. They need to be so dominant, right? Leon needs to be the best version of Leon we we've ever seen. Whoever's in that P two position, because Plotnitsky didn't play great. Um, in either of these matches, whoever is in in uh, that that P two position needs needs to be better, and whoever's on the right side needs to figure it out as well. Um, like Herrera on Sunday was all right; he was sixty for thirty one, but with four errors and got blocked four times, so his efficiency was down like twenty five percent. Some they need a guy to to to, to put the ball in there's just there's just so much to look at here when, oh, when you yeah. look at, at, at this at this Perugia team and they need to be so dominant. Here's my my um prediction is that if they lose against Zoxa, they're gonna lose against Milano. Wow. It's all or nothing to me. Snowballs it's, out it's, of control. Absolutely. Because if they lose like I, I think there's gonna be a lot of finger pointing. There's gonna be this this is a team that's holding on to the, as uh, by threads as it is. So this is as, either a season ending match or a season galvanizing match. I kind of agree with that. Uh but again, the margins for Perugia because of the hole they've dug themselves are so narrow. Like yeah. they, they Zoxa got three points from the first game. All they need is to win two sets. All Zoxa needs to win two sets and the series is over. Like, can Perugia beat the two-time reigning champions in four sets before losing two? Like, I'm, I'm just not sure with, with the 
just how 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 nervous Perugia has looked and how nervous I'm expecting them to appear on Thursday. It's just going to be incredible to watch. So we'll talk about Perugia versus Milan a little bit more later on, but I agree with you. I, I think the the most important single game in Perugia's franchise history is Thursday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Absolutely. They can't look at – I guess they have a little bit more time since they're playing on Monday. So they, they, they can't think about Milano at all. And to be honest, they shouldn't need to. Right? Right, Milano was a right. fantastic team, and we've seen that, that they're, they're a well-put-together team, and they're playing really, really well right now. But on paper, they shouldn't be running with, with, with Perugia. Right. They shouldn't even they, they shouldn't even be in the same heat as them. Like it, it, it shouldn't even be close. Um, so Perugia just needs to focus solely on the game against Zaxa on Thursday. Make sure it goes at the very least, make sure it goes to a golden set. Right. If they lose it in a golden set, then that's one thing. But if they can't even force a golden set, that's going to be an issue. And we're going to have to start putting some question marks on, on, on some of these players. And I think the first person you have to point the finger at is Leon. I think, I think you're going to be able to tell in the first 15 or 20 points of that first set against Zox on Thursday, kind of how that's going to go. If Perugia comes out and sets the tone, like they, they cannot afford to lose that first set. They must, must, must win that first set. And sometimes this year they've had a tendency to sleepwalk in first sets. I mean, they got smoked by Milano in the first set, uh, the other day, 25 to 15. Like they didn't even get off the bus. So the, the beginning of that first set is really going to tell me a lot. Yeah, 100%. I think that these are going to be defining matches for Leon's legacy. Because lately, two years ago, we were giving him the, the excuse that he had Tragica set in him. Tragica couldn't set a high ball, right? <laughs> his, back was, his, his back was too sore. He was just too old. His hands were of stone. It wasn't going to happen. Okay, whatever. Last year, Leon was injured. You know, he, he wasn't 100%. This year, he has Gianelli, arguably the best setter in the world, and you have so many other guys so that you, you basically got some load management all, all throughout the season. He should be healthy. He should be getting the sets he wants. If, if they don't make it happen, there's the first person they need to point the finger at is, is Wilfredo Leon. The, the all-time greats do hold themselves to that standard. And even in, in the sport of volleyball, which is the most team-oriented sport in the history of sports, when you are that player, when you have a, a case for being the best player in the world or a best player of a generation, you singularly must figure out a way to get your team over the finish line. And that is, it is that simple. Uh, I, I agree with you. These are defining matches for Wilfredo Leon's legacy. Yeah. All right, Rob, let's move on because we've spent way too much time talking about yeah, Champions League. Let's move on to the CEV Cup where we've had just another mind blowing. What thing. on what, earth is going on? What is going on with the Italian teams right now, both men and women? They are imploding. Canacro's lair goes up one nothing uh in the CEV Cup final with a three nothing win. Was it at home? Was it? It was, it was in Modena. It, it <laughs> yeah. was in Modena at the Palapanini. Palapanini. I don't even know how to how to pronounce it right now. I'm just too flustered. A three donger for Connect. They have an absolute stranglehold on the city. This this series. And to be honest, when I look at the stat sheet, I didn't watch this match. We were yeah, already. Why would you? Weird. It was it was why on the same you? same time as Zaxa versus Perugia. Why would you watch yeah. this? But I, I, was, I did I was, have it on the I had it on the second screen and like looked over and, and noticed that that Nakrusolari won the first like twenty five twenty one. I was like, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, but then yeah. I I then I saw the second set score twenty five twenty three. I was like, oh wait wait a, wait a minute wait a minute what's going on here? And then they won the third set. <laughs> like 
all right uh I, it's it's a shame we already awarded the figured out of the week award uh well deserved by the fivb but uh otherwise it would certainly go to modena and uh tomaso rinaldi in particular for completely stinking it up against the belgian team well not only did he stink it up on uh, on Wednesday against Knack, but he also signed it up on Piacenza. Sunday against Piacenza. And it's funny because we started the year ragging on Rinaldi, and then there's a certain point where I was like, you know what, maybe we're a little harsh on him. He's really starting to come around, and recently he's been bad because in this game he was 5 for 16 with four errors, unforced which is errors. just not uh, – just four, un- un- four unforced errors. He got a block and he got an ace, but you can just tell that – Kanak went in, and it's the same thing that Piacenza did on Sunday. They gave him every single ball. They put all the pressure on him, and he couldn't handle it. He he just couldn't get the job done. They're relying too much on Legumja. There's one thing that I will say has been a good uh, good mark for the for Modena in the past few games. It has been Adis Legumja, a guy fantastic. who he has been fantastic. A guy who I have criticized to kind of disappear late in the season has really stead, you know, been steady. But man, Modena is on the verge of like not being in the CEV at all next year by losing their next game, and they p- could potentially not like not win the CEV Cup either, and that would be disastrous for a, a club that we expect to compete for Scudettos and compete for Champions League titles year in year out. Yeah, when when Piacenza got knocked out on the other side of the bracket of the CEV Cup from them, th- there's absolutely no reason Modena shouldn't go on win this tournament and tomorrow on the road uh 2 30 eastern of course it's the same time as the hawk bank game but um they're gonna have to go on the road to belgium and win a golden set force and then win a golden set uh to to win this tournament which they should they should have won easily like just look look at the names look at the rosters what sort of world are we living in that knack russelare's offense as a team hit way better numbers than modena like what are we talking about here yeah, uh, I really don't know. Obviously, De Hulst is better than Bruno. Confirmed. <laughs> Korkaitsev is better than Angepeth. Confirmed. Um, honestly, at this point, Kanaka's going home. They're gonna like. I'm sure they're gonna pack that house for sure. In, in Roslare, they're, they're in just playing. They're just playing with house money. Like they, they, ever since they dropped down from Champions League, they've been punching above their weight class. They've been playing for the heck of it. They beat Piacenza, like a team that felt pressure to beat a Belgian team. And then here's the same situation with Modena. We got to give Rusolari credit for two, only, only two unforced errors blocked only twice in three sets. Like that's an amazing clean volleyball game. And they're putting pressure on a kid like Tommaso Rinaldi to execute, hang in there and serve, receive and, and challenge some blockers. And he's crumbling underneath it. So I, I give Rusolari a ton of credit. They're playing with all the confidence. Modena's feeling the pressure. It's kind of like a miniature version of the Perugia problem that we just spent half an hour talking about. I do. I, I think I have the solution here for Modena, though. There's a clear omission. There's a clear someone. Tobias, they need Tobias Crick out there. They need Crick <laughs> to come out onto the court, do a little wave, hit a ball, and he can go straight to his phone so he can edit something good for TikTok. Uh, thought... Because, you know, he's, he's a clear omission. Uh, right now on this team, and you you definitely definitely need to buy his crick out there um, to get the job done promoted. Now that's the only way possible. I I was going to suggest that you put Daddy Stankovic an outside hitter. Uh, so because I was <laughs> I would certainly I mean, like. To hey, do it's that. still going to be the same thing. You're still going to need Crick to be able to to fill in. Who are you going to put in the middle? Ronaldi? He's not in a uh, bad of four. Come on. Who cares? Uh, yeah. speak, speaking of Daddy Stankovic, you had an incredible idea on last week's show that we should hide Daddy Stankovic randomly in one of the assets and just not talk about it and see who notices where he is. 
I will neither confirm nor deny that Daddy Stankovic may in fact appear in this episode, and there's a chance that actually he may have already appeared, but also he might still have yet to appear in one of the assets. So we have a look f- at that, ladies and gentlemen. We We've got an Easter egg hunt that's for right. Easter. Let's it's go. A, Let's go. It's a new segment. Uh, we have a new segment on the show. It's called Where's Daddy? So if you find Daddy Stankovic, <laughs> uh, put, put it in the chat. And uh, whoever's the first one in the comments after the video is over to put in the comments the timestamp of where Daddy Stankovic is, they get a shout out on next week's show. Uh, so yes. Where's Daddy? Love new it. segment. <laughs> Hashtag Where's Daddy? Love it. Uh, uh, awesome. Okay. All right. Let's move on from the CEV right into the Super Lega playoffs where it was an absolutely nuts weekend. Rob, I think we went over, right? You and I had different predictions for the CEV Champions League, and we went over in um in the Super League of playoffs. Uh, I think I, I think the only one that we were right about is Trentino winning the series. I, I I think that we both said that Trentino would win the series, but we definitely like and, and they did. We definitely said Perugia was gonna win. We were wrong about that. We both said that Verona was going to win at home, and uh, the, which was their best opportunity to advance. We were wrong about that. And I, I, I can't remember what we said about Piacenza Modena, but uh, we were definitely right about Trentino. And I think we should start there because uh, that was convincing. And after all this chaos, the only team uh, to not have to go five, not have to go the distance in the quarterfinals, is Trentino. I mean, they got all the pieces back. Uh, they went to Monza and pretty convincingly beat him 3-0. Yeah. Um, I was a little disappointed by, uh, by Mons and this one, I thought, you know, getting Kachopa back was going to really galvanize this team and, and push them forward. Uh, but at the end of the day, they just, they just didn't have enough to stand up, um, to Trentino. Uh, Trentino was fantastic offensively. They were out of this world and you really have to start looking at, how underrated Ricardo Spertoli is and how great of a job he's done with this Trentino team. You know, I, for one thought last year, we talked about a lot at the beginning of the season about how we thought that Trentino wasn't going to be that great of a team without Gianelli. We thought, you know, Gianelli was the mastermind behind everything, but now tables have turned completely. Spertoli has been doing a fantastic job. They had 56% uh, in this one, there was some errors uh, on that side, but not as, as much on the Monza side. Ten unforced errors for Monza. Eight blocks for Trentino. Um, Matej Kaczynski went 11 for 21. Uh, Alessandro Micheletto went 11 for 19. You know, uh, Lavia, who didn't see that much volume, was still 8 for 14. They're just spreading that offense like peanut butter on toast right now. And Spertoli is just quietly... Like, I think Di Giorgi has to look at him as a realistic setter for this summer upcoming for the Italian team. Well, for for sure. It's it's weird that Spertoli last summer barely saw the court at all for Italy. It was very surprising that they that they ran through Gianelli the literally the entire summer from day one of Vianel until the world championship. And honestly, obviously we can't um, we can't argue with that because it resulted in winning the world championship. But if Ricardo Spertoli were on any other national team in the world, almost starting. almost any other national team in the world, he would be starting. He's easily, easily a top 10 setter on the planet, if not a little bit closer to top five with a couple of the other guys in that conversation aging out a little bit more. He is outstanding. He does a great job. He's a terrific backcourt defender, underrated server, underrated blocker, and runs great offense. So I give him a lot of credit. Yeah, too many errors for Monza. Uh, Blocked eight times in three sets is too many. The reception wasn't good enough. 
And uh, I mean, we, we've been saying it. Trentino's better than Monza. So as much as we love our Canadians on Monza, uh, they will play for fifth and Trentino's in the quarterfinals or semifinals. Yeah. Sorry. Se- se- yeah. Semifinals. And I mean, good big, big ups there for Trentino. They're going to get an Easter weekend off, whereas no other team is getting that. So right. I, I don't know. This is if, if Perugia loses to Milano on Monday, Trentino is my new favorite. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. The, 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 the Perugia is the only team I wouldn't pick Trentino against in a five match series. They, they play too clean, consistent, just all around quality volleyball. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. What's what's our next next one that we want to talk uh, about? We should talk about Perugia Milano. Uh, not not so much about Perugia, but we should just talk about the, this particular match, uh, this crazy five set match. Um, first of all, it was uh, Perugia had a great chance to win the match in four. It was crazy that they, they did. didn't. It was crazy that they didn't get the fourth set done. It was equally crazy that they didn't get the fifth set done. They were like you said earlier. They were up ten to seven. They were up eleven to eight. Uh, they were. It was tied at 13. Uh, there was a lot of weird stuff that happened. Like Herrera went underneath the net. Uh, they challenged, like over overturned that call. Ishikawa hurt his ankle. Poro uh, pulled an ace out of nowhere. Uh, Perugia had a free ball that Semenyuk didn't kill. Like it was. It was very very strange. And then Agustin Loser uh, completely clamp box clamp blocks Herrera to win the match at home. Like it was a, a roller coaster. But if you're Perugia, you're up 11 to eight. Terminate. be in that situation. No. Yeah. What, what are we doing? Yeah. It's maybe understandable that you lose the first set the way you did. What was it? 25-15? But then they bounced back, right? And as I said, I had a bit of a night on Saturday night. If you know, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was up a little bit late. Um, and then I, I see them. They go up 2-1. They were rolling in sets 2 and 3. And I was like, all right. this one They're going to be able to close this one out. It was close. Milano pushed it. I was like, okay, they're going to be able to take it in five. They were up. I fall asleep for like a few points and I wake up and they've lost. Like I had to go back and watch it because I was just blown away by the inconsistencies of this Perugia team. I do think you need to give some credit here to Milano, especially that man right there on the screen. Uh, Ronnie, you know, I hate to say this, Malgarejo was fantastic. Um, he was 19 for 32. He had no one for forcing errors. He got blocked many times. He got he had two aces as well. Milano just served really, really, really well, right? Like super, 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 super well. Paulo Poro, five aces in this one. Yeah, that was the best. It was the best match I personally have ever seen Paulo Poro play. So he gets a lot of credit. Uh, the he served the ball extremely well. He had a really timely, uh, like high awareness kill in the fifth set that he turned and dumped the ball that no one was ready for. And he actually set a good offense. Like he, he, this was more the distribution of balls to the Milano wings that we've liked to see. You don't want to lean on Jean Patry too much only not because of Patry, but because Poro can't set the ball behind him. So he gives Ikishikawa and Mergarejo way more balls and they both played really well. And you sprinkle the middle in here and there, you serve the ball well enough and, uh, and anything can happen. A great home crowd as well in Milano. Uh, they they did a fantastic job there to win both both those matches at home in five against the best team in volleyball is a pretty huge accomplishment. But um, I'm I'm 
curious to see if they can pull one off on the road. And again, I, I think this series isn't so much about Milano. It's really all about Perugia and what happens on Monday, depending on what happens in Champions League against Zaxa. But Milano gets credit. They really do. They've pushed him as hard I'm as they agree can. And I'm going to agree and disagree with that. Because of all the cracks that Perugia is showing right now, I think how much pressure Milano puts on does matter. Right. And I think how well they're able to, to execute does matter. Like they passed pretty well in this one. They were blocking pretty well as well. They they had eight blocks. Perugia did have 10, nine aces. Like they played a, an overall pretty, pretty overall well, well-rounded game. So I think like Milano can't just go out there and, and expect to win if Perugia plays bad. But if they can put a lot of pressure on this Perugia team right now, they may be able to squeak one out. But as I, as I said before, if Perugia loses on Thursday, I, I think they're just going to be too emotionally crushed to even get up. They might even, not even get out of bed. They might just forfeit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of agree. I, I think that Milano has all their sights set on Monday, obviously, but Perugia's got a gigantic, gigantic hurdle even before that. So uh, going to be really interesting. But it's just, just this has been a fun, fun series. These have been fun matches, and none of us expected it because of how much better Perugia should be than Milano. But Milano's played great, so I give him credit. Yeah. All right, Rob, let's move on to let's do Lube versus Verona, because this is another one that, hey, you know what? This one had the ability for Verona to go up to nothing. Right. Verona won the first. They were uh, leading in the second. And then Lube just absolutely storms back. We had called Verona to close this one out here. But man. Has this ever been a fantastic series? Ivan Zaitsev is looking like he's young again. Yet, he's looking pretty good as, as well, too. This one is going to five, and I, I can't believe it, but it's awesome. It is awesome. And like we said last week, the best chance for Verona to win this series was to win this match at home. And I think you and I both agreed that if they do not, if they did not win that match at home, they were probably going to lose in game five and Lube was going to advance. And I'm going to stand by that. I've got Lube um, to advance whenever that next game is. Uh, we'll, we'll look into that in a second, but it, it's, it's good coaching by Blangini finally. And that's for two reasons. It's taken them. It's taken him a while to figure out that he should be doing two things. One is relentlessly serving the Mori K to the ball. And they're still not really doing that, uh, but, but they're finding uh, enough success with their serving strategy that I guess I'll let him off the hook. But the other thing is to pull Alex Nikolov out of the serve reception pattern. They've done that for at least two, maybe three matches now. Nikolov had the best match of his career in the third match. Here in match four, he was also very, very good. And because he didn't whoa, really have whoa, to whoa. pass the ball. Eight, eight aces. Eight, eight aces is, for is ridiculous. But he, he was like, is... what, like 20 for 23 attacking the previous game. Like the, the, the kid is completely woken up because now he doesn't have to focus on receiving serve anymore. Yeah, 100%. That was a genius move. And Zaitsev, to his credit, has been fantastic passing. Like, really, really good. 62% positive, 29% perfect. Just really anchoring uh, that uh, Lube, uh, that Lube service. Even there was a moment there where I was thinking, like, man, like, we might not have Lube in Champions League next year. And now I think we will. I, I really do think we will. They're going to be going home. They've got this new look um, about them, and I, I really like it. Uh, it it's, it's really awesome. But it's almost like who do you serve on Verona? Because Gagini has been bad. Right? He got aced six times. The Ouch. Rock Mozic hasn't been great. He got aced five times. Hell, Namuri Keita had some of the best passing numbers of the team. Yeah, he he only got targeted did. 18 <laughs> times. Uh, but, but you're right. 
I think that if you're going to break down, like if you go after Gagini, like you're just affecting his service seat, right? He doesn't affect the game in, in as many other areas. But if you can break Namuri Keita down in serve receive, then it's going to affect his offense, right? It, it's going to affect him emotionally. And that takes a huge weapon out for them. But at this point, you're on the brink of, of pulling off the reserve reverse sweep. You don't change anything right now, right? For maybe sure. that's a mid that's maybe that's like mid game change. If things aren't going well in the next one, but you're going to be at home. Your team is rolling. Nikolov is stroking the ball so nicely. Zaitsev is making like, is looking like he's 20 years old again. And yeah, I, I thought that Verona was going to be able to tie this one up easily in three games. And now I think Lube is going to pull off the reverse sweep. I think they probably will too. So that, that semi for that, uh, match five of the quarterfinal. That one's on Saturday, uh, so that's going to be fun. Uh, the other two, the Modena Piacenza game five and Perugia Milano game five, are both on Monday. So um, Verona Lube will set the tone for the weekend. Going back to Chivi de Nova Marche, I agree. I think that this is Lube's series now. Verona had their chances. They had a chance at home, and they didn't quite pull it off. Uh, I mean, all these this this was a really good match. All these sets were close, uh, but Lube was the significantly more clutch team, getting all those sets done in overtime or in the, the the deuce set situations, whatever it was. Lube was the experienced team, which is funny because we've been saying all year that they're not really the experienced team. Uh, but in this series, they're starting to look like the, the the Lube that we're used to. But they've they've worked everything out like yet. Yeah. Gant has been there before. He's won a Scudetto as a starter, right? Like, you know, like he's been there before. Dechecco has been there before. He's won Olympic medals. He's won a Scudetto. Toninese has won an Olympic gold. Zaitsev has, has been there countless, countless times before. So they're not relying on those young, unproven guys like the Botoros. They're relying on Nikolov a little bit, but only offensively and only from the baseline, not so much in serve receives. So they've taken him out, out all of that youth and just stuffed as much as the veteranism uh, that they can on the, on the court. Smart. Very smart. Absolutely. All right. All right. Last but not least, we've got uh, another opportunity for a reverse sweep in the series. Piacenza with yet another three-dong win over Modena. Uh, this was in Piacenza, so they're going to have to go to the Palapinini and do it in Game 5. But uh, again, this is a horrible offensive outing for Modena. 36% kills as a team is brutal. Tommaso Rinaldi, 3 for 17, 3 errors. Brutal. And uh, Lagumja was fine, not great. Ingapet, fine, not great. Uh, all Piacenza had to do is not serve a million balls out of bounds, and they didn't. Only 12 errors in three sets isn't bad. So when, when Modena's offense is just so terrible, and when Rinaldi is so invisible, like you don't even have to work that hard to beat this particular Modena team. No. I mean, it, Piacenza jumped out to like an 8-1 lead in this one, and there was never a point where I thought that Modena was going to come back. A little bit, maybe at the second set, but still they're going shot for shot, and eventually Piacenza pulled away. Like Modena is in crisis mode right now, and they oh, clearly yeah. can't. They clearly can't figure it out. Like you know, obviously, like it, the, the the scale isn't as bad as Modena as it is for Perugia right now, but these next you know, five, six, seven days, like the next week for Modena is, is do or die. Um, and I mean, I think for Modena, it's one thing, like you get rid of, you probably get rid of Bruno. You probably get rid of Engapeth, you know, this second round of trying to revive what was a, a super team once just hasn't clearly worked to me. You have to build around Addis Lugungia. He has been fantastic for you in and out this season, and you need to build a team that is good around him. 
and it's it, they've got to get younger as well. The, 100%. Like, absolutely. Bruno, Inga, Pet, like the, these the, the, these guys. To me, is that they, to me the, the first thing they need to, to find move, moving forward is a setter, right? Obviously, Bruno, but it's just we saw at the we saw it at the World Championship. She's just not quite the same. He's been doing it for a long time. Like like I grew up watching Bruno. You grew up watching right. Bruno. So it 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 comes a time when you have to kind of like let it go. Same thing with, with Incapeth, uh, especially when you're not playing in that French system where everyone works together and you need to carry a bit more of a load uh, in the Superlega. So yeah, for first thing for, for me, for Modena, if they lose this game, which I'm fully expecting them to uh, at, at this point, is to go out and find a new setter. Yeah, I mean, Father Time's undefeated. Uh, we all know that. But I also want to give Antoine Brizard some credit. Uh, well-deserved MVP of the match. He was awesome. Four for four attacking as well. Like kind of the fun, Ooh. physical setter play style that we've seen from Brizard before. Uh, didn't have any aces, but yeah, him like ripping the ball in the second contact, like taking full swings was really fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. We saw Simone go six for nine uh, offensively. He also had nice. two aces in a block. Uh, Simone has also, it, it looks like he's playing a little bit injured right now and will not be playing Nations League this summer, um, which is too bad because it would have been fantastic to see him play uh, in Ottawa. Really, man, that is such a shame. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, father, father, time's undefeated, but uh, it seems like for Robert Landy, he's been struggling the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Once again, he's he's a little bit older. He hasn't played. If he had been playing national teams all these years, it it, it would oh, be he'd a be bit. he'd be completely broken down. So it's, at least we still get to see him uh, at his top form at age thirty five or whatever he is. Yeah. All right, Rob. Let's let's do a quick prediction here. Uh, Milano versus Perugia. Who are you taking? I think I've got Perugia, and I think I've got him regardless of what happens on Thursday. Uh, I think that uh, I think that the motivation for the Scudetto is actually more significant, not not because of what it means to win the Scudetto, but of what it would mean if they fail to win this game. Like if you lose in the Champions League semifinal, that's like at least that's like an an, an honorable loss of sorts. You lose to Zaxa, like y- you could you could maybe get over that. But to lose in, as the number one seed, to go undefeated in the Italian regular season and to lose in the first round, and then to not even play Champions League the following year, I think is that's way more... Yeah, exactly. That's, I think that's way more significant. And I think regardless, especially because uh, Perugia will have more days after that Thursday match than I thought, that being be that, uh, that Monday game. I do think Perugia gets that one done in advances. Yeah, I, I agree. Because I think that not playing, the potential of not playing Champions League next year that is kills a it. big deal. Big big it. deal. Leon leaves, uh, Semenyuk leaves, like Gianelli leaves. Like yeah. you, you no, that it just can't happen. Yeah, Absolutely whole not. whole franchise is, is burned to the ground. If they if they're not in Champions League last year, there's absolutely no point in keeping any of those high profile guys in the roster. So I think we're both on the same page about um Lube probably beating Verona at home on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Forza Lube in, in this one for sure. How about and then, how about Modena and Piacenza at Modena uh, Monday noon Eastern? Who's your pick there? Oh, apparently playing at home for Modena doesn't mean anything because we're losing <laughs> to Belgian teams at home. So yeah, I'm I'm going Piacenza in this one. I, I really do. Modena won both games in five. Piacenza has won won both games in in three. I think that. This one is going to be a bit more of a bloodbath, but ultimately, I think it's going to go Piacenza's way. Absolutely, I I hope that Piacenza wins because they would put themselves maybe in position to play Champions League next year, depending on how this, the the semifinals go. And I would kind of like to see that. So um, I'll pick Piacenza as well. I think they've got a lot of momentum right now. 
And uh, uh, worth pointing out, they beat Modena just now three to zero, and Yuri Romano was terrible. Terrible. Absolutely. So like, even if he's average and you still get the same amount out of Lucarelli and Leal like, and Simone, that they should take care of Modena, no problem. Also, one of the benefits for uh, Piacenza losing last round to Rosalaire instead of now is that they get all of this week to prepare for Modena, uh, whereas Modena has to play tomorrow. 4D chess. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they, they were thinking ahead. Uh, of course they were when they lost to a Belgian team in a golden set. Of course they were. Yeah. All right. Shall we uh, shift our focus to the women's game for a little while? 100% because, you know, we are getting down to the nitty gritty here. And whoo we three teams from Istanbul in the CEV semifinals. Uh, so tomorrow we have match one of the women's game. Um, Novara takes on Exasabaja at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Not as excited for this one. I think there's a clear David and Goliath scenario here right now. I agree. I think we did a pretty good job on last week's show of previewing both of these uh, women's semifinals. So uh, go go check out last week's show um, because we don't have all the time in the world right now. But I I agree with what we both said last week. Exasabaja and Novara are actually kind of similar. But Adzajabasha player for player is just better. better. They, they play a similar style, but Adzajabasha is better in every area, and I think they'll win no problem. Yeah, absolutely. And then in the big one that everyone is going to be watching on Thursday, 12.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, Vakif Bank against Fenerbahce, the Battle of Istanbul, the defending champs against the team that has dominated them this year, Hoo-wee, this is going to be good. I think I, I've got my eyes on Fenerbahce right now. I really, really do. Yeah, I know you do. And, I, and I've still got Vakovic. I think we'll both stand by our picks from last week. And uh, this is as excited as I've been for a women's series in a very, very long time. I think this is going to be fireworks. I think it could be hugely significant on the future of women's volleyball if this particular Fenerbahce play style continues to have success at this level. And uh, I mean, it's, it's all the big names you could ask for. It could be how well will Gabi meet the moment? How well will Paula Egono meet the moment? Uh, will Arena Federov save us to enter herself as a top outside in the world? Will Melissa Vargas do the same at the opposite position? Like it's a low key, really good setter battle between Makris and, and uh, John Suozbay. Like this is, this is awesome. <laughs> this is going to be a great game. And then the, the fans in Istanbul will be absolutely bananas. So I'm really excited to watch this. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it's, it's, it's a really good chance for John Suozbay to, solidify herself as a top tier setter right macris she's brazilian she's done it before she's done it consistently we know who she is right now it's time to see if vakif bank is going to let her off the hook yeah i like it yeah uh so yeah gonna be a great series like you said at 12 30 thursday uh which which one is that i think that is at vakif bank's place and then fenner's place on uh the following week Uh, yeah that's right because Fenerbahce is actually the higher seed, if you can believe it. So uh, that that's going to be awesome. Really looking forward to it. I, I I sure hope we get somebody good on the call for those games. Louis, please. Louis. Uh, Louis got Zaxa versus Perugia, thank God. But that that's the oh, same. Yeah, that's, that's the same day as this one. So uh, we, we might get some pretty bad luck on commentators. Whatever. We'll we'll make do because the game will be too good anyway. Uh, speaking of women's volleyball, let's take a look at the Lega Volley Femminile. One more game left to go. The big result from match day 25 is Pinarola 
What is going on with this team? Pinarolo, Pinarolo let's Pinarolo go. Out of nowhere has climbed out of relegation position um, with a big 3.3-1 win over Castle Maggiore, who's a playoff team right now. And uh, they sit two points clear. Let's look at the standings. Two points clear of Perugia for that second relegation spot. We already know Macerata's gone. We talked about that last week. But um, Perugia having just lost. Uh, let's see. Who, who did they just lose to? Uh, it was somebody good, I remember. Gary. Yeah, they lost to Kiri. Kiri's good. Kiri's in fourth. So um, now Pinarola looks awfully good. And the reason why is because with one more game left in the season, guess who Perugia has to play? <laughs> they have to play Corneliano. So even though Corneliano has the one seed clinch, they'll probably roll out the bench. I expect them to beat Perugia. And Perugia needs three points to even have a chance. So it's looking like Pinarola may have somehow miraculously rescued their season in the last like two or three games. They have won three in a row. It's actually kind of amazing. It, it actually is kind of amazing. And a big, big ups there for Pinarolo to really pull themselves out um, of uh, of the depth. So huge up for Pinarolo. I saw this one come across the scores and I was I was a little surprised, but that, that's huge, especially because Casa Maggiore, like they, they're in the playoffs. They know that, but you've got Busto who's right behind them. You've got Bergamo who's, who's only a game away. Like, there's still some some wins and losses, and I think if you're Kessel Majore, you want to play Monza way more than you want to play Scandici in, in all of this. And I think that's the thing to look at because uh, as we keep looking at the standings here, the playoff field is set. Like We know who the eight teams are. Bergamo's five points clear, Firenze between eight and nine. So Bergamo's in, Firenze's out. We know that. Um, Bergamo could maybe catch actually no they can't catch castle majore on uh, on it would be on set ratio tiebreaker they could overtake busto however um so this weekend bergamo and castle majore play head-to-head that could be pretty spicy uh busto's got malonza which could potentially depending on how things shakes out that could maybe be a first round of play- playoffs preview that's pretty cool um kieri and novara are locked in at four and five like we know that they're going to play each other um Corneliano's one for sure I think that Scandici is two for sure. Ooh, let's see about that. Scandici's got Firenze this weekend. Malonza's got Busto. Uh, if Malonza gets three points, Scandici gets zero. It would come down to set tiebreaker. So that that would be really interesting. But we know the eight teams. I, I'm curious if uh, if Corneliano plays the bench, if somebody like Novara plays for, plays the bench, given where they're at in Champions League. And like who wins those six, seven, eight games just to try and get the optimal matchups in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Because if Busto loses to, to Milano and Bergamo beats um Casa Maggiore, then, then Busto's Busto will, eight. Yeah. Will be will be eighth. So still a lot to figure out this weekend in the Lega Volley Feminili. And uh, none of those teams other than Novara are gonna be playing Champions League. <laughs> That's a great point, which is ridiculous sitting fifth in the league right now and, and top three top four in all of Europe so still con- very much Corneliano's league to lose I'm excited to see them um, play perhaps can Scandici in the finals I think that series would be pretty good but um, as for matches this weekend that have a lot of drama I just don't really see it as far as like last week's of the regular season go um, just because Perugia like Perugia trying to not get relegated having to play the best team in the league I, I don't really see that maybe Pinarolo takes a point from Kieri because Kieri doesn't have much to play for. It's it's weird. It's always always funny to see like teams' priorities in this last game based on where they're at in the standings. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on now to the Plus Liga, uh, where we are getting set for the playoffs. 
And whoo-wee, this is, this is what I'm going to be excited for, especially when you look at that second bracket there, Zaxa against Varsava. I think you have to look at that one. Um, but ultimately, Palouse League of Volleyball heading into the playoffs right now. That's massive. Yeah, and so I was looking into the format of these quarterfinal series in Poland. Uh, they are best of five this year, which is great. Uh, but they're they're really condensing them as far as timing goes, which uh, I mean certainly fits with what we've seen in the Plus League all year. The first two matches of each series are going to be played on back to back days. I don't know if I've ever really seen that before. Even like even um, in the, even in the NBA and like a best of seven series when they play in the same spot for two days in a row, they don't play back to back days. So. Yeah, check it out. So, like, they played 2-2-1. Like, the higher seed hosts the first two games. The lower seed hosts games three and four. And then it goes back to the higher seed for game five if necessary. So, like, the, the first game is on Thursday, Azavierche versus Olsen. But then they're playing again on Friday. So the first two games of each right. series are back-to-back nights. And then they get a couple days off for travel. They're really trying to squeeze these in, which is classic Plus Liga. But you got the matchups on the screen there. Uh, number one, Rosovia versus number eight, Stalnissa. Number four, Zaxa versus number five, Vershava. Uh, number three, Yashemsky versus number six, Gdansk. And number four, Zavierce versus number seven, Olshten. Zaxa versus Vershava is my is the one I'm most excited for, especially because Vershava just snapped their 13-match win streak, a uh, five-set loss to Gdansk the other day. And Zaxa, like I kind of predicted, rolled out the bench against Yashemsky and beat them anyway to grab the four seed. Finally, Everett. We've been asking about it all year. Everybody in the Poland channel and the Discord has been begging for them to give Eric Shoji an MVP award, and they did. Last game of the regular season, our uh, friend of the program, our lovely American libero, gets an MVP award, so congrats to him. Speaking of Americans doing well, they did announce the All-Stars for the regular season in the Mm. Liga as well. Taylor Averill on the first team, TJ DeFalco on the first team, Luke Perry, Australian libero, on the first team, rounding it out. Stefan Boyer on the right side, Uros Kovacevic on the left side, Piotr Novkovsky in the middle, Fabian Drizga uh, as the setter. Uh, That's uh, That's a bit of nepotism <laughs> for sure. Uh, the second team, Miguel Tavares as the setter, Suvka um, and Fornal are the two outsides, Kokonovsky and Patishki, Patishki uh, in the middle, Bolads on the right side, and then Haviluk. Um, oh, Haviluk, he's actually really good. Probably. Yeah, the, those those are good picks. I mean, the Plus League is stacked. It is really cool to see both Avril and DeFalco uh, on kind of the first team for the year. So, congrats to those guys. Looking forward to seeing him in the playoffs. Yeah, it, it it should be a good one. I mean, I think other than that, Zaxa versus Vershava uh, series, Vershava just lost their thirteen game win series with a loss to Gdansk uh, this past week. I think that this is going to be, I think, ooh, maybe JW versus Gdansk. Ah, but actually, no. Like, I think, I think that Zavierce versus Olsten could be a little bit spicy. I'm not you're, super, you're not I'm wrong. not super convinced by Zavierce. I don't like David Kanarski. I don't like how many balls they give Kovacevic. And I like Olsten even without Josh Tuininga. So I've got my eye on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another big thing coming out of the Plus Liga is that after this season, uh, Marius Vlasve has announced his retirement. Oh, and what a legend. Be, what a legend will stand for a moment of applause for a man who brought Poland uh, a world championship back in 2014. He led Skra all those years, uh, but he's not done with volleyball. It looks like he's going to continue uh, continue working with the Gdansk club. Awesome. Yeah, congrats to Vlasve. Incredible, incredible career that guy's had. All right. 
let's move in because we were it's getting to be kind of a long show now we're coming up on almost an hour and a half so let's move on to the bundesliga playoffs two series have been decided or maybe three three. yeah duran won earlier today okay so duran won early today over hershing goodbye la visite Bye-bye, Hershing. Thanks for participating. Uh, thank you for participating as well to the Nets Hoppers and Unterhaching. Uh, they are also done as Lundberg takes down the Nets Hoppers. Unterhaching is, loses to Berlin. Uh, so we're going to have Duren versus Berlin in the one semifinal. And the other one, we're going to wait to see who wins the Gießen versus Friedrichshafen series. Is Gießen one in five? Berlin was, or Friedrichshafen was able to even the series back up. But Rob, there's going to be, there's a bit of drama heading into game three. Yes, yes. So something that I like to call the Draymond Green rule, because whenever Draymond Green plays in an NBA playoff series, he, when he accrues a certain number of technical fouls, he gets suspended for a game. Right. And we, 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 we don't really see that in the NFL so much or in in other American sports. But we see it in basketball all the time. If, if you get a certain number of technical fouls, they like they, they carry over over a certain span, you get suspended just automatically. Turns out there's the exact same thing in the Bundesliga. And I had never heard of this because it hasn't really come up, especially not to a notable player. But um, sure enough, Dejan Vincic, the starting setter, the Slovenian captain and the, the Friedrichshafen lead guy at the setter position, got himself another red card against Giesen in, in game two. And because of how many he had gotten that uh, throughout the course of the season, Dejan Vincic is suspended for game three. And that is extremely spicy because I did, I commentated a bunch of Friedrichshafen's Champions League games. They do not have a second setter. I don't even know who it is. So some really young German guy, I'm pretty sure, who's just going to be like, like think about Paolo Poro for in his Modena days in a shirt that's two sizes too big for him. Friedrichshafen without their starting setter is on legitimate upset alert against Gies in this third game. That is a huge, huge mistake by Vincich, their captain, for losing his cool and getting too many red cards. Wasn't it a bit of uh, an interesting scenario, though? So I watched the play. It, it's on Bounce House's Instagram. Like, go check it out. It's got like the there's a, a the first tile is talking about Vincic, and then if you swipe over, it shows the two plays. One where he got yellow carded because he was complaining too much about a block touch, and then the second one where he got red carded because there was a block that was in by a lot, and he's like just showboating through the net and talking to the ref. And I, I don't speak German. I couldn't understand what he was saying. I couldn't read the caption, but. There, I know that there are people also in the Discord talking about that that wasn't that may or may not have really been red card worthy, but nonetheless, if you know the rules and if you know that if you get a red card, you're out for your team's next game, you got to do whatever you, you. Yeah, there's no excuse for 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 missing this this next game. You just can't put yourself in that spot. Friedrich Schaffen's backup setter is Matus Birnat. Uh, oh, yeah, Polish guy. Yeah, Polish guy who was backup for Ravenna next year. Um, <laughs> and, and may, may have played a, may have played a little bit and then other than that has just played in like uh played a little bit in uh the Czech Republic and also played a uh, division two in Poland the year before for rural cloth so uh... that is sketchy especially against a Giesen team that they've already lost a match to so man we could be seeing Giesen versus Lundberg in the final and imagine if this Lundberg team makes the final yeah, oh man the out of system content that we're going to get from that would be amazing would I know I know it. that they're that the out of system boys are obviously rooting for for Giesen to win that game because they obviously have a better chance against them in the semis but uh, Lundberg has drawn themselves a pretty nice little path here in the bracket and uh, Vincic has really shot himself and Friedrichshafen in the foot. 
Yep. Absolutely. So very interesting. <laughs> They do have home court advantage, but still they do. It, that that will be interesting. All right, moving from Germany to France, we had the French Cup finals this this weekend. Not much drama here. Um, Tools dominated over Nice. Nice isn't even a playoff team. That's the end of their season, losing in the the French Cup finals. Tools, they have been the cream of the crop in France all season long. They did not so bad in the Champions League league as well, making it to the playoffs. Just losing out to Friedrichshafen, I'm sure. Might be a little. Wasn't it Tool who got injured? The the setter got yeah, injured. Yeah, yeah. Their starting setter got injured in Champions League. That certainly didn't help. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they they were going to win the French Cup. They obviously were going to beat like the the whatever the twelfth ranked team in the league or whatever Nice is. They were obviously going to beat them in the French Cup. So good for them getting some hardware. The actual playoffs start in France this week, uh, Thursday. No, sorry, Saturday. They start Saturday yeah. night. So yeah, uh, the uh, it's weird that they play the cup so late. Like the cup final being right before the playoff starts. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I see. We also saw the Greek Cup finals this past weekend as, yeah, as well, too. So they're not they're not the only ones. Um, just real quickly, going over these playoff series, Tools is going to be taking on the defending champs Montpellier, who were able to squeeze them back uh, themselves back into fifth after starting zero and five on the season. Now Bun is going to be taking on Tokoing. Uh, Tokoing is filled with Jay Blank and now uh, Riley Barnes and Lucas Van Berkel. Uh, Set is where we've seen. Um, uh, Derek, F Derek this F season. Is, yeah. yeah, taking on uh, Nantes and then a battle of the Americans in that final quarterfinal down there. Or actually, I think Nantes also has Kyle Russell uh, as as well, too, which which is important to, to note. But then you've got Pat Gassman playing for Chaumont, taking on Quinn Isaacson and Kyle Ensing uh, for St. Nazaire in the other quarterfinals. So uh, best, of, best of three games um, for the French um for the French playoffs, looks like they're playing Sunday or Saturday. I think it's Saturday, Monday, Saturday. and then uh, maybe a couple days after that for game. Saturday, three. Monday, Friday. Saturday, right. Monday, Friday. If they uh, if they need a game number three. Yeah, shout out to Chamon. They've got uh, Pat Gasman, also Mike Marshman, a big oh. team LVC guy from from the VLA. And speaking of team LVC. Um, to wrap up a, a big weekend for for me and the VLA, we were up there in Albany, home court advantage for Team LVC. They go in as the one seed and they win the East Division Cup, so uh, good for them. They were the, they were definitely the best team there. Uh, but kind of the the big storyline from the weekend is this Kentucky Unicorns team, a brand new Love team. They, it's awesome. They go in and beat two tier one teams in the in the bracket. They beat the Northeast Force on Saturday night. They beat the Boston Bounce on Sunday morning, and they take a set uh, from Team LVC in the finals. Like they have really put themselves on the map in like their first couple months of ela existence so uh, shout out to the unicorns but it is team lbc who kind of puts themselves in the same tier as the the ice men in the central and the rising tide in the west who won their respective division cup tournaments and i think the the vla right now those are the three main contenders in tier one and so there was kind of some pressure on lbc to defend home court and and you know keep themselves in that conversation with the other couple elite teams in, in the other two divisions so lbc did that uh, good for them um it's a central division regular season event in like two weekends for the VLA in Louisville, but I'll be on my honeymoon, so uh, not my problem. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I'll have to say about the Lexington Kentuckys, uh, or Lexington Unicorns, sorry. They are from Lexington, Kentucky. Their logo needs a little bit of work. It's a little much. You know, oh, yeah, the, it is. <laughs> like with, you know, the, the, the unicorn standing on the rocks with the galaxy behind them. With it's, the super- it's so the unicorn is standing on whiskey barrels. Apparently, like, un- a unicorn is a bourbon term, like with the, 
Kentucky being such a a big bourbon spot, like a unicorn bourbon or a unicorn of whiskey is like one that's really hard to get your hands on or a really rare one. That's, that's okay. That's as a, as a bartender, that makes much more sense. Needs a little bit of work though. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny to see tier two teams pop up and they, they kind of take a, some of them swing for the fences in regards to branding. I love it. Yeah, Love which it. is great. Then they they play a season and then they kind of they kind of refine things in a little bit as far as like social media and branding goes. But uh, as far as on court product, uh, the unicorns are ahead of most brand new tier two teams. That's for yeah. sure. Because I look at the other like logos from this event, fantastic logo Niagara Frontier. Oh, that is really really good. Uh, River City Flow is great. Boston Bounce, eh, it's it's pretty good. But yeah. The, the the unicorns they need a little bit of work on their on their logo there pass that on for me uh to them if, if you will <laughs> i can do that uh also we i think we just we just lost connection for about five seconds but i believe we fixed it so uh hopefully we're all good we're just about to wrap up the show anyway but uh... yeah all right before we wrap it up rob congratulations preemptively on this weekend have thank a good you. one thank you um thank you. enjoy your uh, your honeymoon uh, down south. We are going to have no episode next week as Rob will be gone. So make sure to tune in. In we might have to have an extra long episode in in two weeks because Champions League will be will be on to the finals. The first playoffs will be done. Lego volley, you know, like so much is going to happen over the next little bit when you're gone. Um, you're picking the really worst time to volleyball here, Rob. <laughs> like, why couldn't you have this in the fall or something? You know, yeah, like, my bad. Um, but you know, congratulations, best of luck. I, I hope you you enjoy it. Uh, and also make sure to let the FIVB know uh, about the award that they just won this week. Oh uh, yeah, go back to the beginning of the episode if you missed our rant about why the FIVB is so stupid for taking down the volleyball source Instagram. Also, reminder of our new segment that is Where's Daddy? Uh, so I can confirm that Daddy Stankovic did appear at some point during this episode. And if you find him, uh, let like put in the comments, not in, not in the live chat, but put in the comments of the video after the stream is over, the timestamp of where he showed up. And the first person to do that will get a shout out on the next show for finding Daddy Stankovic. So that's our new segment. I'm, I really like this. I, I might go solo next week. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how I feel. The problem is, we, Rob and I were talking about, it, is that I'm not great when I go solo. Dude, so maybe hard. I'll just, maybe I'll just do like, uh, I'll go live at the same time, and we just do kind of a Q and A. Like you guys can come in in the chat, ask some questions. I'll answer answer some things, and and maybe we can. Uh, or if anyone wants to join me, and we have like, we could have a guest a guest person come on. I think that would be fun too. Well, uh, obviously, we got. Can't replace Rob, but you know, like a tier two version of Rob. <laughs> I like that. You know, well, you're welcome the, to try and figure it out. I know that it is a, a, a interesting week to be missing as far as uh, the nine by nine goes, but you guys will have plenty of fun watching volleyball in the Discord and all that. And uh, I'll be tuning in here and there uh, when there's volleyball to watch. I, I will want to watch just as a fan for entertainment, not just uh, for you just might be on a beach. Instead and, of uh, in front of your guitar. Yeah. So, yeah. If there's an NVA version of Rob out there, maybe <laughs> let me know when we can come. Uh, yeah. The last yeah, thing, the, the suggestion to get Ronnie Cuban's bike on the show, I'm going to go ahead and shut that one down right now. Yeah. There's no way. He was that episode. That episode would be four hours long. I can't even imagine. <laughs> oh, Ronnie, we love you, buddy. 
All right. Uh, I love you all, people. Uh, I'm going to go get married on Friday and be uh, somewhere sunny and cool next week. So no show. Uh, Everett, have fun without me. You guys do do whatever you want. I'll see you in the Discord, uh, but uh, definitely all eyes on these great matches this week. Champions League is going to be nuts. Milano versus Perugia is going to be nuts. I'm, I'm excited to um, be sitting somewhere warm and just kind of following along. And if Perugia's franchise is going to burn to the ground, it's going to be really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Aussie Tragic says, get Gage. Oh, that, that would actually be incredible. If the timing could work out, yeah, maybe. But Key would be good too. Maybe yeah. we'll reach out to Key. Key. Uh, Everett can do good, can do some uh, so, so, some scouting and some recruiting on a guest nine by nine host for next week. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a good one, Rob. Congratulations preemptively. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, everyone. Uh, we'll see you. I'll see you in two weeks. Uh, enjoy the next uh, great stretch of volleyball. Peace.